0: You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 273 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on July 26th, the first episode of our road to the end where now I think I need to be honest with everybody. I'm actually leaving the show to become a professional Pokemon trainer.
0: If you catch a lot of them, can you trade them with me later when they implement that? (laughs) Because I don't have a lot. I need a lot more. My slugs and pigeons aren't worth jack. Let's be honest. (laughs) That's that's the only thing that comes by my place. And this fly looking. Tribble thing. I don't even know what the hell that is. (laughs) So, yeah, I need Pokemon's people send them to me. (laughs) I'm I'm looking at it right now. Just in case that Eevee comes by. (laughs) It might get lost and just kind of stumble close to my yard, and then it'll be in my Wi-Fi
1: zone. If so, it's mine. <laughs> so if you just suddenly go quiet at some point, I'll know what's up. Although it won't be quiet, I you. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a very old man when I get out of a chair. <laughs> so before we get into our discussion for today, I mean, this past weekend was Comic-Con. And as I had told you in email, that was kind of one of the things I realized, like, why I felt the need to kind of wrap things up here was that it was like a week before Comic-Con and not only was I not really interested in anything about it, but I'd forgotten it was happening until I saw the like, the tweets of people arriving in town. I, I knew it was going on, but for me, it was
0: primarily not because of the any kind of comic announcements so much as the TV and movie announcements, which which kind of yeah. overshadowed everything in my opinion anyway. Which, let's be honest, were pretty freaking awesome. They were. They were. I mean, all of the stuff that I saw, I really liked a lot. Now, granted, I didn't go through every single thing, but what I saw, I liked. Even the stuff on the DC side. Like, when you see that trailer for Wonder Woman, that's got me excited to see it. Regardless of what they're doing wrong, the fact that it is, again, a movie with the lead female protagonist – who's the most awesome kind of thing, then yeah, I'll support that because that is a step in the right direction. I don't know what the movie's going to be like, but one would assume it'll be done well.
1: And that trailer looks spectacular. Yeah, the Justice League teaser looked pretty dumb, and God, I hate that kid as the Flash. Like, that is not Barry Allen, but yeah, I agree. Wonder Woman looked great. Uh, A lot of the Marvel stuff we saw looked pretty good. The new Doctor Strange trailer is a big step up over the original. I actually, like, let out a little cheer when he just kind of flipped the cape on. I'm such a nerd. (laughs) But, I mean, for me, the biggest one, Robbie Reyes is coming to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. I I freaked out because, I mean— I loved his run as Ghost Rider, and he's such a cool character, assuming he arrives with his little brother, Gabe, because little brother Gabe is the most important thing about Robbie. (laughs) But and not only that, it takes by far the most diverse cast of any comic medium and is even adding to that now with adding uh, a major Hispanic character. Again, I, I've i talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a lot more than you over the last year. I, and season three was a little – kind of lost me at points. And
0: see, we stuck it through and we still enjoyed it even for the episodes that weren't the best. We still enjoyed them and it just continually got better. And then there were episodes that were justifiably spectacular like the spy send-off. So – I still really, really love the show, and there was a ton of stuff for Agents of Shield at, at uh, San Diego Comic Con, so that was that was fun to watch, and and I like that by the sound of it, like they're not resting on any laurels of heading into season four, thinking, oh, we got this. We've been doing this for a while. They're pushing. They're trying new things. They're bringing in new characters that'll make it. A lot more, like you said, diverse, but also just a lot of fun and a little different as well. So I, I'm i really looking forward to that next season.
1: I think back to the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where, I mean, by the standards we know now, was playing super safe with everything. Yeah. And if you'd gone, oh, yeah, Ghost Rider is going to be a major character. (laughs) Yeah. You could not have pictured Ghost Rider in season one, S.H.I.E.L.D. That's how far that show has come.
0: Well, not just that, but I think that by virtue of the fact that it has stuck around now and that it is fairly popular with fans, that I'm going to assume they're finding it easier to get more money into the show, too. So you will be able to get other characters into it, you will be able to potentially get some, a lot, even much better special effects for different things to get a whole bunch of really cool people into the show. Again, just a guess, but that's,
1: that's what I think probably. Mm-hmm. All right. Then anything else comic-con related before we move on?
0: No, if we're not going to really touch on it too much, no. Like I said, I, I was really jazzed about a lot of the stuff for the, the movies and TV shows. And again, flashes. A favorite of ours like many people so it's really pained me not being able to talk about it for a <laughs> last while but i am really looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with flashpoint mm-hmm. because that just blows my mind even if it's remotely close even just a little to what we saw in the comics and if they stick the the ending, oh man, that will be. it's gonna be really hard to screw up the ending
1: more than they already did in the comics.
0: Yeah, well who knows. But no, I would assume it'll come off really well. So it it's going to make for a spectacular season. And especially because they're no doubt going to branch off into the others as well, the other Berlanti shows. So that's mm-hmm. going to be cool as well to see those crossovers into those other shows. And yeah, especially yeah. now that Supergirl is exactly. officially part of the family. Yeah. So there's a ton for that stuff that I'm very, very excited for. Mm-hmm. That's All good.
1: right, then Yeah, with this week's discussion uh, with these last few episodes, we're kind of breaking from our traditional <sighs> pattern and just, you know, I just want to sit back and just <laughs> chat comics. What the hell was that sigh for? <sighs> <sighs> pattern <laughs> it's,
0: screw you buddy it's worked for us for 270 some odd episodes <laughs>
1: it was completely unintentional no it was not <laughs> i was just fishing for the correct word like hell you were <laughs> <laughs> so i wanted to touch on some topics that we've briefly mentioned over the course of six ish years but just you know just spend some time talking back and forth about in a longer form without having to worry about oh yeah we get. Other things to get to. And this week I wanted to get back to, again, something we've touched on. What really got us into comics? And not only that, for both of us, what got us back into comics after so many years away? So I guess we'll start chronologically. (laughs) So what first got you into comics, Raj? You know what's funny is
0: I was thinking about that only just today because I I had to ask for your notes back again. (laughs) Anyways, and I was thinking about it. You're ruining the mystique that we plan weeks ahead. <laughs> you planned, I forgot, and apparently the emails got lost. The uh, I was thinking about that this afternoon because, like, I remember when I started buying comics and all that, but that wasn't really my first introduction to them right. because you you do have to count, in this case, Archie comics. Absolutely, a lot of people started reading those when they were young. Now I'm talking young, young. It was funny. Because as I'm thinking about it, and it's not something that I think about very often, because you don't remember when you're a kid all the time and think about everything. What happens when you have kids is that it gives you a, a much deeper sense of appreciation for your parents. I know it's an old cliche, but it's one of those things where you really don't know what I mean by this as much until you, you have kids and you... It's just those little awakening moments where you're like, oh, that's why they did that. Oh, they're human too and made a mistake and all these other things. And in this case, we used to, every morning, we had a box of Archie comics, Archie and Jughead and all of those comics that would be bought at the grocery store at the checkout line. Every so often, not all the time, because we didn't have a ton of money. And so they mm-hmm. were safe, too. These suckers were – covers were ripped off. They were falling apart, tape holding them. But we never got rid of them. We had a box of them. And then what happened is that every single morning, my mother would send us to the closet to go find our comics. And it was myself and my two sisters. Go find your comics and get ready for breakfast. That A got us out of her hair – kept us (laughs) occupied a plus parenting and then once we sat down with our comic she would bring our typically peanut butter and jelly toast and then we'd eat while we read and it's funny because my mother actually doesn't read a lot her education level is quite low for a lot of different reasons and but she encouraged that in us read it but again you when you think about it as a parent you're like that's goddamn brilliant because if you ever have kids, you know, it is such a pain in the ass to get your kids to finish eating what you put in front of them. And what's funny, again, is I was thinking about it as I'm thinking about it with our kids. And I was thinking, we never really did that with our kids. We we would get them to eat and we'd eat together and, and whatnot, be it breakfast or, or, or dinner or whatever. And we didn't really have the comics out at the table to read. Because I didn't clue it in and I can't tell you how often, oh my God, you get so frustrated with your kids. They just finish eating and they're staring off at nothing and they're just, (laughs) it gets, trust me, it's freaking frustrating. (laughs) She didn't have that problem. The worst she had to deal with was us fighting over who got to read the new one. Once we're sitting at the table, you sit down, you eat, you read and you just, the kids zone out. So they're not thinking about not eating and everything else and yacking. They're reading and f- shoveling food into their face. And I was sitting there thinking, God damn, she was brilliant. Ah, <laughs> we didn't do that. And I'm sitting, holy, <laughs> I wish we really would have had points. It would have helped a lot. And that for, for me was like my first introduction was comics. So we're talking like as, as young as I could look at pictures, we had those comics. And it was one of those things where the old man would read them as well. Which is kind of nice when you got your old man sitting down and, and he's the one that nabs the new one out of the the bags, the grocery bags when we get home so that he can sit and read the new, the new Archie. And, uh, and then once I was, when I was again quite young, I'd say, I think it was under 10, I might have been nine or 10, was when I started my paper route. And I mean, I grew up in a very, very small town, very small town. And there were a couple of, convenience stores. It's all comics. And so I would hit those up with my money from the papers and eventually other jobs as well. And, and that's how I started collecting quote unquote, real comics of so your X-Men, your Fantastic Four and all that jazz. And what was funny is that again, the, I'm, I'm certain that other people bought comics as well, but for the most part, there was myself and my buddy. And he was mm-hmm. my age. He was in my class. We were good friends. And we became even better friends because we had this love of comics. But what wound up happening is that it caused this insane competition for us to see who's going to get the comics in in any given week. Because we didn't have – even in the, the town that was – the bigger town that was a little closer to us, there was no comic shop until I was well into my teens. And – close enough to stopping, stop reading at that point, maybe a few years. And at that point we would just head into town to buy comics and we didn't have to worry about competing. But until then, especially when we were young, we got on those clerks nerves like you would not believe because to come Tuesday morning, we were there before school very early. And we kept trying each of us to get there earlier and earlier than the other one. And one would go to the one and one to the other. And we'd kind of hope that, the one that we wanted, the comics we wanted, would be
1: there. But because yeah, back then distribution was oh, yeah. iffy, I think, is giving it even too much credit. Yeah. We would like, it, it was the stores got what they got. There, there oh, were yeah, no yeah. They, pre-orders. Yeah, there was exactly. no pull lists.
0: Yep. So a lot of times you would be missing issues from runs. So I was missing specific uh, – like the end of a story arc for X-Men or whatever because I didn't have it. And sometimes they never got it and other times my buddy got to it first. And it was one of those, damn you. But I knew that I had some that he didn't have. So once the comic book shop opened in town, then we would bike there, which was dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad <laughs> highway. We would bike there. And or he'd bum a right off of his parents. And uh, and then we'd spend hours there reading and buying comics. So yeah, that was like quite young for me. And it, it was one of those things that transition from learning to read in those and of course, the at the time too before the comics was all of the like the peanut stuff and mm-hmm. there's the the I, I went to French school so you had your Asterix and your Tintin and all those kind of they they were still comics or animated as well kind of thing so when I was going to like grade school again kind of in between when I was reading comics comics and and Archie stuff was when I had that massive massive. Streak of reading tons of comic strips as well, especially, of course, all of the Schultz stuff because that's for the longest time. I thought that that, that's what I was going to go into as well. That's what I wanted to do. So there was always, up until my my mid-teens when I stopped reading comics altogether, there was always some form of animated text that I read, which, again, really helped with that idea of this being something that I really wanted to do. It turns out my artistic talent is not that good. (laughs) That kind of held me back at some point there, but, uh, (laughs) but no, it was, it was really a large part of my life for a great many years. And, and I do appreciate that. It, it helped foster my appreciation of the written word, which then made the transition to reading novels, which I'd already always been reading novels as well. But once I stopped reading comics, it was like I devoured libraries. Like I finished off a ton of the books in our public library where we lived and then was also working through the one downtown. And then I had my own book collection started already back then. So it was this beautiful transition. So it's it's another reason why I've always encouraged people like get your kids comic books introduce them to this fantastic world, not just because it's going to foster creativity and imagination in a way that you might not necessarily understand, but it will pave that road leading to them also wanting to read literature, novels, which is in declining often when you're looking at different, different uh, stats and we're not getting enough people, enough kids reading So more of that and by way of introducing them to it early is fantastic, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Much like you, I was a really big reader at a young age. And for me, again, just like you, my introduction was through Archie. Yeah. Because I used to love staying at my grandparents. Uh, my grandparents on my father's side had a huge book collection. So, like, I was devouring a lot of that stuff. Like, old school, like, Tarzan novels. And, like, like a lot of really cool stuff. Like, uh, Hardy Boys and that sort of stuff. Right. But then at my grandmother's on my mom's side, she had pretty much a closet filled with my mom's old Archie comics. So, these were Archie comics from, like, the 60s yeah <laughs> and but not just archie those you know archie uh sabrina the teenage witch casper josie and the pussycats like all that stuff yeah and i that i would just go through them i would read them i would reread them i probably read them more than my mom did after a point so like just like you that was something that you know caught my eye because it was it was unique like yeah i'd seen you know, sunday comic strips and stuff like that but you know this is a book with Pictures, but it's not a picture book. So, And especially those – super especially like the older Archie comics were very relatable for a younger audience. Even though it wasn't quite my generation, there was still stuff there I could connect with. Well, they're timeless for the most part. I mean – For the most part.
0: (laughs) Well, not so much (laughs) – is a little – Not so much now because so much has changed so much. Mm -hmm. So they don't hold up now, which is why there's the reboot and it it works. But – for the longest time, the stories were so timeless that they did up until the millennium. Min- oh my God, millennium! It was something <laughs> that you could, <laughs> shut up that you could uh, you could relate to still, even though it's that small, quaint town that is more rare. It was still case in point. That's what we. That's where I lived. This very small town. So it was something that you still could relate to on different fronts.
1: And it was actually a really interesting time because right around the point where I was, like, six, seven years old, that's when they started transitioning the Archie comics from the regular floppy comics into, like, the Digest yeah, format. Yeah, And, like, I, I know at one point I had the first ever Archie Digest. I mean, it's lost to the ages now. But, like, that was my thing was those, those little, you know, paperback novel sort of style ones. And I had tons of those. But the actual transitioning into, you know, mainstream superhero comics. It's really weird because I grew up in, you know, the golden era of comics, you know, the the mid 80s, but I was a little young honestly for, you know, the Batman stuff and even a lot of the X-Men stuff. It was right around when I was like 8 years old, I think. Yeah, it was uh, late 80s. There was <laughs> a pilot for an X-Men animated series that never happened. It's called Pride of the X-Men. P-R-Y-D-E uh, with Kitty Pride. I actually posted it on Twitter today because I watched it when I got home from work just to refresh myself. It's actually really good. Like, the animation for the time is fantastic. It's a great introduction to a lot of the characters. I mean, you look at how I feel about X-Men comics today. The main cast consists of Kitty Pride, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, and Storm with Cyclops and Dazzler thrown in there just because – Voice acting leaves leaves a lot to be desired, including but not limited to Wolverine's crazy Australian accent. <laughs> the writing was on the wall for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, aside from that, in this little, you know, half-hour long cartoon with commercials, you know, 20-ish minutes without, it just instantly grabbed my attention. It was big. It was colorful. It was action. I mean, this little... Pilot had, I mean, Colossus going toe to toe with the juggernaut, uh, Nightcrawler making a heroic sacrifice and saving himself at the last second by teleporting into the Blackbird as he was burning up on reentry to the atmosphere. Like it was just so cool and so amazing. I was really pissed off when the next Saturday I went to tune in for the second episode and it wasn't there. <laughs> but I mean, just the, those characters, like I'd recognize them. Because the some of the X-Men had guest starred on the old, like, Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends cartoon. So that when the next time I went to the grocery store with my grandma, instead of looking at the Archie comics, I noticed, hey, here's those X-Men guys. <laughs>
0: those dumb bastards. That always yeah, you know, dumb- those X-Men guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only literally the most popular comic in the world at this point. <laughs> so... I picked it up and this wasn't the the regular X-Men comic. This was when they were doing reprints of older stuff as the X-Men classic, which was great because this was me reading the Brood Saga, the Dark Phoenix, stuff like that, you know, eight, 10 years after it was originally published. So my introduction to the X-Men was the best the franchise had to offer. I didn't know that these were reprints. I thought it was new stuff coming out. What the heck did I know? You probably thought Canadians had an Australian
0: accent for the longest time.
1: (laughs) There might be something to that, now that I think of it.
0: Well, that Wolverine guy spoke like that. They must all speak like that. (laughs) I just got this vision of this little Vince seeing a Canadian saying, good day, (laughs) mate. (laughs)
1: And I remember the one that really stuck with me was issue 50, which was a reprint of it was either an annual or one of the big centennial issues like issue 200. And it was the X-Men going to Magneto's Island to stop him from some crazy stuff. (laughs) I forget the exact narrows it right down. Yep, this was like in continuity right after Gene died. So you had. Cyclops like flashing back to her killing herself on the moon like I was like this is crazy like what the heck is this and the whole thing about this was Magneto had a uh, Newton power manipulator on the island so when the X-Men got there they didn't have access to their powers which as a new reader gave me a much better appreciation for them as characters because I mean Storm is still awesome uh, as, without her powers i mean we know that she didn't have powers for years in the comics. Yeah. but i mean you know nightcrawler colossus having to get by without his organic steel I, it really gave me an appreciation for the characters themselves before the giant superhero theatrics at the end and it, it, this was a huge mind-blowing like big centennial issue so it was like Hundred pages or something like it was ridiculous. So, ever since that issue, I was like super hooked, and that's how I found out you know, like I said, the Brood Saga, the Dark Phoenix, uh, Mutant Massacre, like all that stuff. So, my introduction to mainstream comics was through reprints of the X Men, and nobody else knew who the hell the X Men were. (laughs) Like, again, most popular thing in the world, (laughs) but nobody I knew. Like, I remember. I didn't even know what the hell uncanny meant, let alone how to properly pronounce it. (laughs) So I'm trying to explain this to my friends, and they're just looking at me like I'm a complete (laughs) (laughs) – I
0: don't know what it means, but they say it in Australia a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I mean – but it's crazy. You fast forward three, four years, and suddenly now you have the X-Men arcade game that's out, which was huge. I God, I can't even imagine how many quarters I put into that machine. The new animated series was coming out, so – as far as pop culture was concerned, the X-Men were suddenly that much more important. And I was like, oh, I know these guys. I'm so cool. <laughs> so I picked up like an actual modern X-Men comic, not a reprint of old stuff from the late 70s. And I went, who the hell is these? are these people? What's yeah. a gambit? <laughs> what, what's going on? <laughs> and, and that... But that was what everybody else was into. So I was like, okay, I got to learn all, you know, these, this is, this is crap. Like where are the, where, are my, where are my X-Men?
0: <laughs> See, if you read it at the earlier, like when I was reading it, it was um, like initially same thing, thing as you kind of thing. You had the, the main crew and whatnot. But then when the crew changed over, it was right around that time too, where they started really wanting to cash in on X titles Mm -hmm. and like we'd never seen that. And so now all of a sudden there's all these other X titles to mess around with and the new mutants and different stuff like that. And so it really branched out and so much of it, that's where I first learned my disappointment (laughs) for (laughs) certain comic ideas. One of them being trying to cash in on something that is successful by doing the branch off and, branding something x something just because you're trying to cash in on that that name that brand but it's just not working and there were so many of those that we would read and go well this is crap they'd market it forever and you'd think oh this mm-hmm. is going to be freaking incredible and then it comes out and you're like well Just this is stupid. You know, when when a freaking young teenager can read something and go, this is ridiculous. (laughs) You've failed. (laughs) You really your writing was not on par there.
1: And there was a lot of that back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember, you know, the the whole big X-Force thing when that happened. And then this, this was also like right around the time when Image was becoming a thing, when everybody left Marvel to go form Image. And that was hugely popular. So I remember some friends bringing in some of their Image comics, you know, Spawn. Uh, young blood uh gen 13 a lot of that stuff and i remember looking at it i was like this is pretty to look at but these are friggin' stupid (laughs) don't get me wrong as a teenager there was a lot to be interested in in some of that artwork mark silvestri and uh jim lee and those guys but as far as remaining interested in the actual comics like that's when i started to check out right there but I guess I was I was the one that first got back into comics, and actually, it wasn't that long of a gap for me. It was I remember this was early two thousands when the the Marvel movies were becoming a big thing again with Spider Man and X Men, and like I still had no interest in actually like reading the comics. And I remembered I don't even know what I was watching. It was something some nerd show on like the sci-fi channel on a Sunday morning or something. And they were talking about how Marvel was launching a new line of comics. And with the success of the movies, they were, they really wanted to get these characters out there for a new reader audience. And this is what we now know as the ultimate line. So I go, that's pretty cool. You know, I can pick up a Spider-Man comic and, you know, I haven't read Spider-Man since, you know, 1991. And I could pick up a new Spider-Man comic and know what the hell's going on. It interested me. It was something I always remembered, but I didn't like run out. It wasn't until a couple years later when I was working full time, my days off, I would go to the bookstore and just didn't have a lot of money to spend. So I would read the books at the bookstore (laughs) and I happened to be walking by the graphic novel section. I was like, Hey, it's that ultimate Spider-Man checked it out, loved it because it was ultimate Spider-Man. It's been great since the first issue (laughs) and that. Of course, the next thing I went was Ultimate X-Men because I was like, hey, X-Men, that's – okay, this isn't very good. (laughs) But then that led me into uh, Grant Morrison's run on New X-Men, which was very weird. (laughs) because it was written by Grant Morrison. But there was a lot there that really interested me, some really uh, creative storytelling, some interesting characters, and that slowly got me edging back into comics as a whole. And that was when uh, Avengers Disassembled was going on. I was like, uh, that's, that's a little too much for me. But when Bendis launched the new Avengers, I was like, okay, this is you know the new Avengers. They, Luke Cage, Wolverine, Wolverine's in the Avengers. What the heck? So I, it, as... Marvel itself was changing I was kind of following it along anytime they launched something new I was like okay this is something new for me to try out into the one that really did it for me and I think you're going to agree with me here was Astonishing X-Men oh yeah you know the Joss Whedon written (laughs) Astonishing X-Men which that was the one that really opened my eyes to what comics could do as an art form again Like, I always appreciated comics as just fun stories, but now here I am, older and adult, you know, maturing slightly. (laughs) And and reading that astonishing X Men and all of the emotion that came from me because of the stories that were associated with that, you know, hey, it's Colossus. (laughs) Colossus has been dead. This is amazing. You know, the stuff with Kitty Pride, like, it was basically. My memories of the old 80s X-Men being reborn in the new era and done in such a way that that was the comic that really went, okay. comics are awesome and really drove me into expanding my horizons, even beyond just Marvel, seeking out stuff like, you know, why the last man like a lot of even some DC stuff. But (laughs) I was never all that into DC other than, hey, it's a Batman comic. But looking at, you know, more the image stuff, <laughs> I was very hesitant about looking at the image stuff <laughs> given my previous interactions with the line. But it, if I really point to one comic that got me back in, it would be Astonishing X-Men. Even though it's not the first one I read again, it's really the one that sparked a lot inside of me that, you know, led to eventually the formation of this podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, again, see, I, I started reading it, um, well, obviously, right before we started the podcast. And that was when I got the, the iPad. So for me, that was my reintroduction into comic books. And, like, when I stopped reading comic books when I was in my teens, at that time, some of it was because I wasn't as interested in some of the story arcs going on there. But some of it was, of course, too. I was a teenager. So it just – it's one of those things where it's, quote, unquote, not cool to read combos. Well, it was. Now, who the hell cares? Um, But back then, it certainly was. And so I stopped reading them. uh, And then I was married fairly young. So I was 22. And then we had the three kids and there was no – there was not a lot of money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There certainly was not money to go spending – as much as comics even then costed. So we just we couldn't. Hell, we almost lost the house a few times because we did not have money, so not wasting it on comics. So I did for a little while I would keep up a little bit with what was going on, but uh not too too much. And and then it became one of those things where I really didn't think about it a lot. Not because I didn't want to read it, but I got in that habit of it's far too expensive. We can't afford to do it. I'd pick up a few here and there for the kids when they were young for, again, to encourage them to read as well. But I certainly didn't – like we weren't spending hundreds of dollars all the time. We just could not afford it. And so then when the iPad came out and I picked it up um, like right away, and we had, t- we had talked about that on the podcast as well. We had that <laughs> that glorious episode <laughs> where we talked about the iPad. and. <laughs> And I was like, I'm, I don't care. I'm buying. I'm going to have a blast with this freaking thing, and which is what obviously a lot of other people did, too. And it turned into this fantastic book and comic book reader. And all of a sudden, too, I had this ability to just download whatever books kind of thing. And I didn't have to worry about going downtown and pick up a whole bunch of hard copies, just buy some digital copies or whatever. So it really got me back into to reading them. And it got me back into – reading like specific story arcs that I was curious about too, to see how much comics had grown since I'd read them. Because it's true. You go back and you read some of those and y- y- we grown like not all of them, but uh, quite a few of them. They don't quite hold up. And while astonishing X-Men was one of the first ones that I reread as well. And, and it blew my mind. Uh War of Light was a, the big one mm-hmm. that I tackled. And I mean, there was a lot of freaking issues there and I read all those son of a bitches <laughs> and I loved it. There were some parts that weren't as good, obviously, but I, it opened my eyes to what comics had become, which really made me excited to then catch up
1: on a number of story arcs that had missed over the years. And things like that. Yeah, back in the day, if a storyline went two issues, it was huge. <laughs> Let alone the dozens of issues that eventually the War of Light became. Well, see, I remembered
0: when. Uh, oh hell, there's a lot more than that when you look at the tie-ins. Mm-hmm. I remember again back when I was reading comic books. The they did that different tie-ins all over, and you had to read comics you cared little about, very much like they do now, but but worse. It it was (laughs) – nobody liked it even then. It was not cool. It was just a means of getting you to buy something that wasn't doing well in sales. And this here though was kind of an introduction again of, well, it's gotten better because the tie-ins make a little bit more sense in those other issues and – And again, it's a far more organic way of telling a story, which which worked, especially when you're looking at it in collective works. So, yeah, for me, it was that war of light in the iPad and then which, again, at the time, we were just transitioning – for the Laura gaming podcast and to bow down to us. And Joe had a podcast and I had the one that I was hosting and I wanted you to be able to have one as well. And the comics one just made perfect sense. So like my reintroduction back into comics is tied very, very, very closely with the start of this podcast. And now because it's ending, so is my comic collecting.
1: (laughs) This is all on your head. (laughs) Uh, Let's be honest. What are you missing out on? There's some cool st- – the Gwenpool. <laughs> no, I wouldn't stop Gwenpool for you. Screw you, buddy.
0: <laughs>
1: so before we wrap up, uh, anything over the last week that you want to touch on? Well, oh, I didn't even think we were doing that. Eh, that's why it's an option. Well, give me a second to see. I'll cut out the pause here just to see if there's something. All right. There. Well, then while you're doing that, uh, I'll just say I really enjoyed uh, Star Wars this week. Oh, I didn't read it. Uh, Darth Vader was cool, but also the actual Star Wars comic was a one shot focusing on an elite team of stormtroopers, and it was just badass start to finish. Like these guys are no nonsense, hunting down the terrorists—well, as they call them, we know them as the rebels—and <laughs> they 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 teeter on that edge of making the characters relatable, but by the time the story wraps up, we're like, okay, they're still not the good guys. <laughs> like they're interesting but the the comic ends with them about to torture a prisoner so it mm. it, it balances of okay you're going to be interested in these people they're going to be important going forward but don't remember they're the bad guys yeah. but it, it was it was a lot of fun the artwork was fantastic cool i got nothing apparently alright then i probably deleted what i read off the ipad <laughs>
0: i figured what the hell i'm not going to need it anymore
1: <laughs> fair enough all right, then, and we're also, uh, like I said, passing on the, the typical format. Just wanted to focus on the actual larger discussions. So instead of new releases this week, uh, invitation to our listeners, let us know what uh, what got, again, what got you initially into comics. And if, like us and most people I know, you left for a while, what got you back into comics? So th- these are interesting stories and seeing where people intersect with their interests and their Growing up with an art form and then coming back to it as adulthood, I, I think that's always such a fascinating story to hear from each individual perspective. So you can drop us a comment at comicbookinformer.com. com. You can tweet us at cbinformer, or you can even send an email Vince or Raj at comicbookinformer dot com. I really, I'm legitimately interested in seeing uh, where other people are on the spectrum of coming into, leaving, and then coming back. So. Uh, Hit us up and then next week we'll have another interesting discussion for you guys. So thanks for listening.
0: Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.